it was like, hey, we need to go and look at what's going on in the press, you know, how it's going to get printed. You need to be at this airport at 5 a.m. and roll up to the airport and get in the private jet and fly across the lake. Yeah, we do all the flavor extensions for uh, Modelo Chilada, which is really mm. fun. I flew from Bogota to Medellin, and then from Medellin, I flew on like this little twin-engine propeller plane into like this sugarcane factory, which was in the middle of nowhere. We landed on sugarcane, and then we went and toured the candy factory that we were talking about um, selling this product to. It was really fun. What was the product? Welcome to Innovation Illuminated, a podcast where guest entrepreneurs and experts in their field of business share their experiences and knowledge learned through their journey in the business world. I am your host, Hunter Pirock, and similar to these guests, I am also an entrepreneur. Today, I am joined by Bill Bachman, the founder and principal of Bachman Brand Development. As a brand development agency, they get to work on package design for companies like Modelo Beer, Briggs & Stratton, Mueller Knee Braces. They've done package work for all these brands, and it's super cool that Bill and I talk about how he could go into a convenience store anywhere in the world and see a package that he helped design, or his team designed. He could go anywhere in the world and see a Modelo Beer package that he designed, which is so cool and to see that you have a little touch on something that's everywhere in the world. Through the podcast, we discuss his journey as he started out as an, at an ad agency and then eventually brand, branched off into doing his own thing with Bachman Brand Development and being more so a brand development agency. We also walk through the inner workings of a brand development agency and how he's grown into starting with just himself, onboarding his first employee, and now having a team of 12 people. Please subscribe to us on Spotify and YouTube as that's a great way to support the podcast. And please leave a comment on YouTube as who you'd like me to interview and what you're curious to learn from them. I will be reading all the comments. I hope you enjoy this one and thanks for tuning in to Innovation Illuminated. All right, and we'll start the conversation with, I wanna know like a little bit about your background, like growing up jobs that you had. Sure. Yeah, so my dad was in construction, so I worked a lot of construction. Okay. Uh, mechanical contracting stuff, so it was like hard work, like outdoor. Manual labor manual type stuff. Manual labor stuff. You really learned how to work. Mm -hmm. um, and that was from when I was about 13 until 17. Okay. Until I went went away for school, and I I did it a couple more summers after that. So, yeah. And did he have his own business? He did. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What did they specialize in? Like commercial, residential? They he did hospitals and sewer lines. Okay. So, um, we also did the. Uh, I remember one. We did the um, Bradley Center parking lot, and we were doing some pipe work in there, and you know, got to lift really really heavy pipes that I didn't think I'd be able to lift. <laughs> So, yeah, it was pretty cool. What are some other funny experiences that you had at that job? Uh, are crazy. One of the funniest ones is I went and I was I was delivering some, you know, some parts or product mm -hmm. to the job site. And the guys were, the guys that were on the job, I didn't know who they were. They didn't know who I was. And they were sitting around and they were, you know, talking about how horrible their boss was and what a <sighs> jag he was. And, um. And I just sat there and listened for a little while. Yeah. While they're, you know, basically slagging off my dad. Your dad, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, so at that point, uh, I just said, 
hey, guess who I am? And they're like, you're probably his nephew or something like that. And I said, no, it's better. I'm his son. <laughs> now help me get this shit off the truck. Yeah. It's so, oh, gosh. So That's hilarious. Did you have like a bunch of things that you learned that I feel like you might have incorporated into this business, like work ethic and stuff that you learned from the construction job? Yeah, really work ethic and following through with what you say you're going to do. Okay. And, you know, being, you know, following up with people is is really the biggest thing and making sure that they have what they need in order to, you know, do their jobs, but also um, that you're following up with your clients and they're getting what they need mm -hmm. to do their job. So. That's, that was a big part. Gotcha. So after working that, you said you worked at like 17. Did you go to college then? I did. I went okay. to school in Colorado. Yep. Was, What'd you go for? Uh, business administration. And then I had a graphic design minor. Okay. So, Were you always into graphic design and like brand development type of thing? I'd liked art. I liked artwork. Um, but I did start, you know, I started in school um, and I, you know, continued my art career from high school into college and, you know, kind of like pushed it towards graphic design. So I had a lot of really good graphic design um, teachers, if you will, yeah. in college. So that was cool. Gotcha. So co following college, was that your business venture right out of college or did you get a job right out of college? No, the the cool part, I got a job in college, which was which led me to my job after school. So I was on the ski team at, at school for two years and it was really hard. It was just a grind. I mean, we skied 120 days a year. Snow skiing. Snow skiing. Okay. Yeah, alpine ski racing. Yeah. Um, one day I was skiing and I was, well, actually backing up, I went to see this lecture of this guy that was in advertising and I was like, oh, that's really cool. He was a really dynamic speaker and just really interesting topic. And I was like, that sounds like something I'd be interested in. I, I really like what he was saying. Mm -hmm. The next day I actually saw that guy on the mountain and he was skiing by himself and I was skiing with another guy, and I said, hey, why don't you come and ski with us? So the three of us skied together, no and we ripped up the mountain, Crested Butte. We ripped it up all day and had a really good time skiing together. And then um, towards the end of the day, he's like, hey, you should be on my ski team, because I was kind of telling him I was done with, uh, with the college ski team. Yeah. And I'm like, your ski team? What is that? What do you mean your ski team? He's like, yeah, I run the Coca-Cola Cup, which is a traveling uh, public sort of NASCAR-style race. Huh. Uh, in Colorado. And so we go to a different resort every weekend and put on this race. And, you know, we need people uh, that know how to ski, know how to set up race courses, and then can be the rabbits for the, for the, the skiers. So you, you set, you set the course, you set up all the, you know, promotional materials and everything. Mm -hmm. And then we go out and do the race. And our time is what the, you know, public has to beat or they ah. get close to it. The closer they get to it, the, the higher their medal is. You know? Okay. So if you get really close to us or beat us, you get a gold medal. Gotcha. So it's like a public event. Yeah, it's a public event. Yeah, anybody can join. And we, you know, basically just handed out pins and, you know, set the race courses. We had like a groupie following. It was pretty fun. <laughs> so, I, you know, like my job in college was getting paid to go skiing at different resorts every weekend. Wow, what a job. It was really cool. Yeah, that is sick. It was really fun. And he, and he also did advertising too, that yeah. guy? Yeah, he had an ad agency in Denver. And so I already had a job basically, you know, halfway through my senior year at his mm -hmm. agency in Denver. So I went from mm -hmm. Gunnison where I, where I went to school at Western State College. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Denver and immediately worked for his agency for three years gotcha. out of school. And I, you know, I learned a lot about the agency world and about graphic design and, um, you know, the pressures that are... <laughs> 
uh, foist upon you know uh-huh. people in the ad business. So yeah, are different like ad agencies? Do they all like have like a specific like niche market that they kind of target? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. There's there's a lot of different types of ad agencies. We're not an ad ad agency, but uh, we you know I've been around and seen a lot of ad agencies. But yeah, usually you're focused on business to business or agriculture or consumer products. Um, that's kind of the differences between the ad agencies that they're out, are out there. Okay. What'd you do at this guy's agency then? So I worked on consumer products and consumer, um, consumer promotions. I worked on Quaker Oats, uh, Coca-Cola. He was like a former Coca-Cola executive. So he had a lot of Coca-Cola oh, business. Okay. So I worked on, um, Coca-Cola, Quaker Oats, and then I worked on Ski the Summit. Okay. Um, and so we did a lot of you know, um, advertising and stuff for them. Like content creation or more so like paid ads and stuff like that. Well, it's all, it's all paid ads. Like there was, there's no such thing as social media when I was out of school. So yeah. Right. Organic stuff. Yeah. Right. That, that didn't exist. So Uh it was paid advertising, um, promotional, on-site promotional materials for the different areas that were part of ski the summit. It wasn't, it wasn't nearly as big as it is now. And that ski the summit doesn't even exist anymore, but it was basically like three or four mountains. So it was like copper, um, Breckenridge and a couple other ones that were, that were part of ski the summit. I think a basin was one of them. Okay. So how big was that company that he was running? Uh, we had about, um, there was probably about 14 or 15 people. Yep. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was really fun. And how, how many years did you work there for? I worked for three years. I worked there for three years and you learned a lot from it. Obviously. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You learn a lot from people that have been in the business for a long time. And, you know, they're obviously super smart people. So there were a lot of really good people there that uh, I was able to learn a ton from. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was cool. That's funny. You bring that up that you like met him on the ski hill. Like it was just an opportunity that like presented itself out of nowhere. Like you didn't give a resume. It was just like all of a sudden you met him and the job came up. Yeah, that's right. Huh. That's right. That's kind of why it's like, you have to always be looking for opportunities. You can't be like shut down and talking to people is one way to, you know, figure out what's out there for people. It's, right. Is being able to talk to people is a really important skill. Uh-huh. Totally. So you, so you worked there for a couple of years. Did you immediately after that, what did you do? Start, start this business or something? No, else? immediately after that, I spent a year in South America in Bogota. Really? Yeah. yeah. What'd you do there? Um, well, I taught English um, as a second language. And then I also was working on selling in a brand that I had worked with at uh, my previous agency in Denver. Uh-huh. Um, he, we were trying to launch a brand, and I was able to sell it into uh, uh, a company there. Huh. And it didn't really go anywhere, but it was really there was some cool opportunities that came out of it. I got to go to some pretty wild places. I went, I flew from Bogota to Medellin, and then from Medellin, I flew on like this little twin-engine propeller plane into like this sugarcane factory, which was in the middle of nowhere uh-huh. in between these huge mountains and just like miles and miles of sugarcane that you could see. We landed on sugarcane and then we went and toured the candy factory that what? we were talking about um, selling this product to. It was really fun. What was the product? Um, it was an iced tea brand. It's okay. called California Splash. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what an interesting experience. Yeah, it was really fun. Was it super eye-opening, like that whole journey or opportunity? Yeah. I mean, you know, like business is business, is business around the world. It's kind of the mm-hmm. same. It's the same thing, and the people are the same, just speak different languages. Okay. Uh, so it, it's, um, it's, it, was, it was cool. It was really eye-opening to just sort of like do business like that in other places and yeah. how big some of the businesses are. Like this candy place was enormous. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's global candy company. So 
it was just like a huge warehouse in the middle of nowhere like was it there more so the fields and stuff where they produce it it was like basically right in the middle of sugarcane fields for miles that you could see for miles really yeah this massive factory and what, what were they making? Just just candy, candy, you know, like squishy candies and like huh. hard candies and stuff. And I mean, it was a huge factory, tons of people working there. It was it was pretty interesting. And where is that in South America? That was south of Medellin. I don't even know if there was a town around it. There probably was, but um, it was straight south of Medellin. We took a twin okay. engine plane to get to it. Oh, that's insane, so, dude! <laughs> so a little, it's like oh, this is this is interesting. You know, yeah, this maybe is a little a bit change, of risk. Huh? Flying, yeah. you know, in 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 Colombia, I'm flying around in a twin engine plane into oh gosh, the yeah. cane fields. Um, so yeah, it was a cool experience. We did a fishing trip like two summers ago, and we flew in. I think it was a single engine. It was just one of those prop planes and stuff. And I was scared yeah. on that just to like land on a lake because it was just so much different than yeah. like a commercial jet. Oh yeah, and that's it. you're landing in a sugarcane field, dude. <laughs> yeah, basically matted down sugarcane. It that's insane. <laughs> So following that, that just fizzled out then. Yeah, that I, I kind of, um, you know, I it didn't it didn't happen. You know, like yeah. the, the product didn't happen, um, which was fine. It was a great learning experience. And then I came back to, um, back to the Milwaukee area and worked for a PR firm as a graphic designer for, I would say probably a year. Um, and that was a great experience, um, but it was an experience in which I learned that I was a better account person than I was graphic designer. Um, there's some really, really great graphic designers out there, and I wasn't one of them, but I know a lot about graphic design. Yeah. So um, after that, I went to another agency here in Milwaukee, and I worked there for seven years. And then I spent a year at a, at the biggest agency in Milwaukee, Kramer Crossholt, and then I started this place in 2004. So it'll be 20 years in April. Okay. Wow. Um, next month. What made you want to branch off on your own? Uh, dissatisfaction of of you know working for someone else okay you know it's just sort of like when you work at a big agency you have to stay in your lane you know Mm -hmm. you do one thing and that's all you do yeah that's really not who i am i'm kind of like okay let's get this done let's figure out how we get it done we can do that we can do that i'll do this i'll do that i'll do Mm -hmm. this and they don't like that in big agencies because there's there's people to do all those things yeah and so like when you get to a bigger shop like that the entrepreneurship is sort of it's, there's not as much there. Yeah, because it's just cookie cutter. Like they have their process. You do this. Yeah. This person does this. You just have one thing that you're focused on, like all year long type of thing. Right. Yeah. You have huh. to. Feel, you have to plug into their process. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't really plug into the process. I'm, I'm better at working at small, small, yeah. uh, small places. So. Gotcha. So starting the company was it just you that started it, or did you bring in people right away? It was just me for the first three months. Yep. Um, huh. And then I brought in my first employee in the you know, the third month. And, um, at that point, you know, I started it in my house in my, in a spare bedroom in my house. Mm-hmm. And then when I brought on somebody, um, I took an office space in the third ward here in Milwaukee. Okay. This building, but a block, a block North. And did you have customers or clients right out of the gate? We did. Hmm. Yeah. So I had one client right out of the gate, which was a former client that came from my other agency, uh, that I worked at previous to the big agency okay uh or previous to the big agency and so um that's that's kind of a cool story so when i was at when i was at kramer Crossel, which is a big agency big ad agency not really kind of also not really what i do mm-hmm. um so um one of my clients longtime client that worked for me or that worked with that i worked with on projects called me and said 
hey, Bill, we have this project. It's a long-term project. We'd like to hire you on it, but we already have an ad agency, so it's kind of a not, it's kind of a competition, you know, a um, uh, conflict of interest. Yeah. And so um, we can give you 10% of that project if you stay where you're at and, and help us out. If you go off on your own, we'll give you the entire project. Oh. And this is on a Friday, and they said, we just need to know by Monday. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so so it was kind of a, um, it, was, it was really not that hard of a decision mm-hmm. because I had quite a bit of dissatisfaction where I was. Yeah. And so, so I basically called them up on Monday. I said, I'm in. And I left my job the next day. The, well, that was my last day, that Monday. Yeah. And then on Tuesday um, is when I incorporated my company, April 4th, 2004. Wow. Was it a big account? That first one? Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a 10-year project that I worked on. For oh, them. wow. And they continue to be our largest client today. Really? What was that first project that they wanted you to do? Um, I can't tell you what it is because okay. it never launched. Oh, gotcha. But it was a consumer product um, that was used for carpeting. Um, okay. And it, it was it was an interesting idea, but it just never, we never got good traction on it. But we kept trying and trying and trying, and they kept dumping money into it. Hmm. Um, and so that was uh, that was kind of how that one went. So were you working on like packaging and stuff for it at first, or more so ads? We worked on every every aspect of it, how we would bring it to, um, you know, how we would talk about it, the 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 new product development part of it. So um, how we talk about it, how it works. Um, while they're working on formulations for this product, we're working on how to talk about it and how it gotcha. um, how we might tell consumers the benefits and how it works. Okay. Do a lot of like the really big companies, do they have that in-house where they'd have like a graphic designer or ads manager and stuff in-house? Uh, it depends, you know, like every company is different, but most, most big firms hire outside agencies. Really? Like okay. we, you know, like pretty much every client that we have has multiple agencies, um, that, that they're work working with their, that work on their business and in different, you know, in different mediums. So like, Advertising is just one of multiple um, agencies that, or one of you know disciplines that they have agencies for. Okay. So, and so they they might pick like a specific agency to do like this product development type of thing, and they might choose a different one for a different product. Yeah, yeah really, absolutely. There's new product development agencies. There's brand development agencies like us, where we're talking about how to sell that product or how to talk about that product to consumers. And how they might bring it to market, what it might look like, um, and then there are advertising agencies. There's also um, promotion agencies. Mm-hmm. So there's a thing called ATL and BTL. So there's above the line, which is advertising, the stuff that you see out there, and then BTL is all the stuff that you see, the promotional stuff that you see in store, and um, ancillary support stuff. So big agencies on both sides of that ATL BTL line. So, okay. Um, so that's part of it. And then there's packaging agencies. So depending on who we're working with, we're, you know, we're a packaging agency, mm-hmm. uh, primarily. And so we have a lot of experience in new product development. So people come to us for that, but primarily we do packaging graphics. And so there are, you know, in every place that we work, there's multiple packaging agencies that right. we, that work on their products and work on their brands because one agency just, it would be really hard for one agency to do all the work. I mean, some of the products that some of the brands, you know, there's like 17,000 products that 
one of our right. clients has. Yeah. I mean, that would be really hard for one agency to handle on yeah. that. They used to do it with one agency, but it just, the quality of work wasn't there. The creativity wasn't there. So they branch out and they use different people for different products. How do they try, or how do you make sure like, that it matches kind of with their like brand image? Do like they give you like a, like I'm thinking of maybe like a specific product that somebody else is designing a package for this thing of their company and then you have to design this one. How do you make sure that they kind of like both match up to look at, look as like their brand image? Right. So each brand, um, each brand when it's, when it's developed or when it's been around, um, or when it's, you know, the, the existence of each brand, they have brand guidelines. And so everybody that would work on that brand has the brand guidelines. And then for each year that they do the work, there's also like, um, strategic creative guidelines as well. Mm -hmm. So the campaign looks like this, the packaging needs to match that campaign. If it's like a limited time offering or something like that. But if it's a legacy brand, there's a brand guidelines and we can tweak it. We work to, you know, optimize it as we're going along. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's usually a strict set of guidelines. And so people don't really understand that packaging changes like all the time, mm -hmm. like the packaging that you buy, it changes like almost every six months. You just would never notice it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how that works. So like the guidelines might be like a specific font that they use or colors and stuff. Yep. Uh, specific fonts, very specific colors. Okay. Um, usually most brands have a PMS color associated with their brand. What's that mean? Uh, it's a Pantone matching system. Okay. Um, and so you have consistency of color across wherever your brand is printed or whatever product is printed out there. It's a very specific color way that is used. So you have brand consistency across all the different products that are out there for a specific brand. Gotcha. Okay. So what's kind of like the process of like a brand comes to you and they give you their vision and stuff. How do you incorporate it? Kind of like work through like designing per se, like a package. Right. When we, when, when we're approached by a client, um, usually, well, it's, it, it just depends, but usually it starts with a brief. They either have a brief already developed a creative brief, which is sort of the, the roadmap or the plan of what they want to communicate what they want this to look like, uh, what it's for, who it's for, mm -hmm. who the demographic, what the demographics are, um, what the shape of the packaging or execution is. So we get all that in this design brief. And then we, t then there's also sort of a, there's part of the brief that talks about, you know, the personality and sort of like what we're trying to get through to consumers. And, you know, do we want it to be more modern or, it just really depends on what the client is looking for. But then we use that brief. That's kind of our roadmap to develop multiple concepts. So mm. we'll look at that brief and say, okay, here's five different ways to execute it, creative ways to execute it. And we do that on maybe one or two different packs that they have. And then we share that first round of concepts, if you will, graphic concepts with the client. And the client will say, yeah, I really like that one, um, or that one really fits what we're trying to uh, achieve with this brief. And so that's what we that's what we work to do is kind of like make sure that we're delivering on the brief mm -hmm. um, and each one of the specific specific points that they're trying to get across. There's also a thing called hierarchy on each package that you know we need and we make sure that they provide. And if they don't provide it, we ask a lot of questions about the hierarchy, but. It's really important for when you're looking at a product, you understand 
number one, what the brand is and then what the proposition, you know, what the product is and then mm -hmm. what the proposition is or what the brand proposition is. And so that is, that's kind of the first thing that we, that we work with is that design brief that tells us what all that is. Okay. And so for instance, in hierarchy, if you look at a product or a package, the brand is nine times out of 10, or it should be the biggest thing, the first right. thing that your eye sees. Ah, uh, okay. So the hierarchy is kind of like of what you, when you look at the package, it's what you, what your eyes kind of like visualize too. Yep. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What's like the timeline of like a product, like you said, like the brief, then how quick do samples turn around or like the concepts? Sure. So it, um, generally we're like two to three weeks to get first round graphics to the client. Um, we go probably anywhere from two months to four months when we're developing packaging for, for a product. Sometimes it goes a little bit longer, mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of how it, how it goes. And so when you're, when you're developing packaging, um, you start with approvals at the brand management level, the people that have brought you the product or brought you the project, mm -hmm. and then you move up to their bosses and they have to approve what it looks like. Uh -huh. And then they move up to the next level that, that they approve what it looks like. And so all along the way, there's revisions and revisions and revisions to what it looks like to make sure that everyone that's on the approval chain um, has their input and they, you know, they, they basically touched it. Right. Sometimes that works out well. Sometimes it's like too many people are trying to tell us what to do. Yeah. And to, you know, too many cooks <laughs> in the kitchen on it. But uh, generally they, they, um, you know, there are small tweaks once you get a little bit higher and higher. Right. Yeah. So it goes, it's like a hierarchy of like, you have to bring it to this person, then that person, then that person, they all have to approve it type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Gotcha. Absolutely. Are, are a lot of them like creative freedom on the product products or projects that you do? Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's parameters around everything. You right. Know, like, like we talked we, about. Yeah. We, you have to have parameters, um, because it can't just be willy nilly because mm -hmm. then, then it goes away from what the brand is. Right. Um, you know, if it doesn't look like a brand that you're used to seeing, you're not going to buy it. So we need to make sure first and foremost that it is, oh, that's recognizable as the brand I'm used to buying. And then the next level is, oh, and I really like the, the graphics that they've done for, you know, the temporary graphics or whatever, or the, the LTO graphics, limited time offerings. Gotcha. Do some companies, I was just thinking, like, do some companies maybe reach out to a couple different agencies and then, like, that first round where you show it to that first person, then they choose between the two? Yeah, happens all the time. Okay. Yeah, they choose, they, you know, they choose between the two agencies or if they have confidence and, they, and you've worked with them plenty of times, they just give you the project. Um, that's the ideal, mm -hmm. but it also that we also have gone through that before where it's like, okay, first round, you get a first shot at this and whoever's packaging comes out on top. That's the direction we're going to go. Do you still get paid for that though? You still get paid. For okay. It. Yeah. Good. I was going to say, yeah, that would stink. Yeah. You get paid for it. Yeah. At this, at this level, we're not doing work for free. If you can't right. afford to do a concept and if you want to test against another, you want to put two agencies against each other, yeah, you pay for it because mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, I mean, that's what we do. We it's, yeah. certainly, you know, we, we get paid by everybody and we work, we work with, uh, with big companies. And so, um, yeah, they, they generally pay for it. Right. They generally always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you target clients and like find clients? Cause it's not just like people in the Milwaukee area or companies in the Milwaukee right. area. It's all over the place. Right. So we've been, I've been in this business for a long time for, I mean, my business is 20 years old. And before mm -hmm. that I was still in the same business and knew the same people. And so primarily our, our business is organic growth. 
So we work with brand managers or associate brand managers right when they come out of school and they get really comfortable with us because we deliver on all the things that we say that we're going to deliver on. We do really good work and we also teach them along the way. So as they're advancing in their career, they're either staying at one company, but most of the time they're moving to different companies. Mm-hmm. And so when they move to a different company, they bring us along with them, which is which is pretty cool. So all of our company, not all of our clients, but many of our clients have been clients before at previous uh, clients. The brand, the brand manager. Yeah, person. brand manager. Yeah. Is, um, most it's mostly brand management people that we work with. Yeah. Gotcha. So do you like you like find them right out of college type of thing when they get a job? Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how it works. Like we, you know, they the person that they're replacing moves up, and then that person says, "Hey, work with this agency," and then they get to know us through that. So, um, so yeah, so a lot of it is organic, um, and so that's that's sort of how it how it kind of like grows. But we also have a lead generation company that works for us, okay, uh, where they go out and you know figure out the best way to contact people um, that might be potential clients. And then meetings are scheduled on my calendar. We do a meeting with them and then we show them our portfolio of work. And then at that point they say, thanks or no thanks. Gotcha. Um, so could some of those people like not even have a project like ready yet and they just want to like meet and greet type of thing. And then maybe a couple months down the road, they'll be like, yeah, now we want to work with you. Uh, generally that doesn't happen. Like, mm. uh, you know, like they have something in mind Okay. to when they approach us, they have something in mind. Now we, I mean, I'd be certainly happy to do that, but usually, you know, people only talk to agencies when they have something that they need. Right. Um, and so like we get inquiries on our website today too. I got a very nice inquiry today that said, Hey, we're working on redoing our packaging. I'd like to set up some time to talk. I'm like, sounds great. We'll do it. Really? Yeah. So, so even like cold, you know, like in inbound, um, uh, leads are, are nice. Right, and they come along, so that 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 says something about our SEO. So, uh huh. Is there like certain companies that you'd like to work with, like a niche market of like, say, like just products in like the hand soap business or something like that, or is it kind of all over the place? Well, the category is consumer packaged goods, so anything you see in the grocery store and convenience store, that is generally our, our niche of where we like to work. Okay, because we're used to it, we know what the consumer, is. we know who this con- the consumer is. We're familiar with all the all the brands that are out there, um, and you know a lot of the categories that we've worked on. So, uh, beverage, food, um, household cleaning, pest control, that sort of stuff is those are all things that we've that we've worked on. So. Okay, so yeah, anything you find in like a grocery store, or a convenience yeah. store type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. How do you stay up to date with like trends and stuff in the packaging world? Uh, there's a lot of uh, trade magazines that we that we subscribe to. Um, we also do a what's called a value added email. So we put together uh, an email that goes out once a month that we research and find you know find what the trends are, how we mm-hmm. can incorporate those trends into what we're doing to benefit our clients and potential clients that are out there. So um, yeah, a lot of research that goes into all that. Right. What's a, what's a cool like experience or, um, journey kind of that you had working with a client? Oh, comes like, to mind. yeah. Like there was, there was a really, this, I thought about this question. There was one, um, when I was actually working for my first agency out of college, had other cool experiences, but mm-hmm. that one, we, um, 
we as an ad agency, I was an agent, an account guy. I got to go on a direct store delivery truck and we we went around all the convenience stores and we sold in this cooler and then the product that went along with the cooler. And it was just really cool oh, to go and like talk to the people that were actually buying and stocking this product. So, yeah. So it was like a campaign kind of thing where you were delivering the product. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Huh. Yeah. It was really cool. So that was a really fun one. And then we've had opportunities where we will go to a, like a really cool Disney resort and we get 30, 40 people in a room and figure out, you know, how we come up with new products for the company that we work for. So those, those are fun projects to work on as well. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool. We did another project where um, it was for it was for um, Roche Performance. They, um, I mean, it, it was just a really fun project to work on. I don't know if it was a cool experience or not, but it was really fun to work on. So they wanted to wrap a car for the EAA fly-in in Fond du Lac. Okay. That matched this World War II airplane fighter. Oh. And so we were able, we designed this, you know, 2022 Mustang that was like a that looked like a World War II fighter, and so we uh, got all kinds of cool concepts for that. So you got to design the wrap for it. We got to design the wrap for it. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. So then they parked it next to the airplane, and it was I mean, there was kind of like they looked really cool together. So do you go to those events and like check it out too, or have media people go there? Yeah, we had media people at that one. That they had media people there. Um, but yeah, I I I try to go to as many events as I can. I mean, our our events are like the convenience store. So you walk in the right. convenience store, you see a lot of the product that we worked on there or in the grocery store. So. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, that's it's a lot of fun. Or in the like Sam's Club or uh, Costco is another place where you find a lot of the stuff that we worked on. There. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day because I talked with Scott last week and he was like showing me like wind chimes that he made or something like yeah. that. And I was like, that's so funny that like you made it and now it's in your house and like somebody's going to buy it. <laughs> like you can go to the store and look at like a bird bath that you, like you made or whatever, right. which is so funny that like... You made it. Now everybody gets to see it and you get yep. to see it in a store too, which is like, you didn't even know. It's like hearing your song on the radio type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. totally what it is. And it's like, oh, that, we did that packaging. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you can like, when you see it in store, you're like, oh yeah, it looks great there. And you just don't even know how many revisions there were on the yeah. pack to get to where they were, the, where we were. So, yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's fun to see it. Satisfying to see your, the stuff that you've worked on in retail and know that there's like, you know, it, even when you travel, like if you go to, you know, we're here in Wisconsin, but if I go mm. to Utah or Colorado or somewhere else or Florida, where it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you still see the same product that we did in the convenience stores there. Right. And uh, that's kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, really fun. What's, um, I want to go through kind of like a business metamorphosis. So you started with yourself for three months and then yep. you got brought an employee in. Where did it go from there? And like, what tasks did you start to delegate as you started to grow? Yeah, so um, I would say that I was doing a lot of, I, I, not a lot. I did a little bit of artwork when we started. So when it was me and one other person, I did some of the artwork mm-hmm. um, and some of the lifting on artwork, um, all the copywriting I was doing. Um, and then as we grew and got more clients, I needed to, to back off of doing that to be more about like servicing the client, understanding what they wanted, what the needs are, and then doing more like oversight and approval, creative direction on all the stuff that we're working on. So that really is the, you know, sort of that's the metamorphosis. And as we mm-hmm. grew and got more into packaging, we had to hire more designers. So then it became more like, for me, it came, it became about, you know, HR and finding mm-hmm. the right people um, to do the work that had the qualifications 
that we needed to have to compete with some of the bigger agencies in Chicago. Right. Um, and so from there, um, you know, as we continue to grow, um, we needed to have more of me or more account people that were servicing the clients. So we have, you know, multiple account people that are bringing in the jobs, taking in the orders mm-hmm. and then dispersing them amongst the artists that are, that are working on them or their artists that are actually doing it. So we have a lot of people who are, they're, they're account people and, and hybrid artists that are working on it. So they're doing some artwork, but they're also managing the business mm-hmm. and doling it out to people that are, that are there just to do artwork or that are here just to do artwork. Gotcha. Do you, or did you ever outsource the artwork or do you keep it all in house? Um, we keep it all in house because, and for a very specific reason, um, number one, it helps us with the speed. So when you work with a freelancer, you're kind of at their whim and Mm. generally freelancers work when they want to, or they're working at night or whatever. You just don't have as much control over the artwork, um, at that point. And, and really then it's not, it's not as interactive of a process when you're working with a, a freelancer that's working at home or working off site. Right. You just can't go over to them and say, Hey, what does it look like? You know, what about this? What about this? It's really, it's, it's not the model that I like to work with. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. A lot of people have agencies that all they do is work with freelancers. Right. That's not our model. We're not, that's not what we're set up for just because we like to be able to, I like to be able to control what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I like to be able to provide the speed of service that our customers and our clients want and ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when there's a revision that comes in, I walk over to someone's desk and tell them about the revision and they do it right away. Right. So that makes it a little bit easier to manage the business. If you it was super hands-on. Yeah. 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 And then you can also have like the, do you have like the artists like talk to the brands too, maybe or say like, this is how we kind of work through the creative process and stuff like that. Yeah, depending on depending on the project, mm-hmm. the artists are involved in the calls and kind of the feedback and what they hear and stuff. So um, it just depends on the project and what kind of project it is. But yeah, what, the artists are involved in in everything or every right. part of it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, are there any really me- memorable roadblocks that you had or hard times through the business? Um, yeah, I mean the hardest part is finding the right people, mm-hmm. finding the people that can do the work at the level that you want is that's the hard part and the other part and this isn't you I, I don't think either one of these things are unique to my business the other part is it's really stiff competition out there there's people that are really good in this business and, yeah and we compete with them all the time and you know we have to sort of be able to differentiate ourselves um and so we can do that with um with with the speed part of things so speed and value that we're providing so we're able to, um, you know, to do the work that we do, um, in a really quick, at a quick pace, but also at a high level. Right. But we also know we're not the most expensive shop in town. We're not the cheapest either. Right. So it's kind of right in the middle there. Um, but people come to rely on us, um, because they know that we'll get it done. It'll be done right. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the, the things that we, um, that we work on to make sure that we continue to do so people continue to follow us and use us as a resource. Right. Right. Yeah. Trust and like loyalty to the customers. Yeah. yeah that's absolutely. the main things. Yeah. Because they, like I said before, they, they either stay at their company or they go to other companies and they always know that we can get the stuff done. Right. 
we picked up a big client a couple of years ago that called me or that I called and I said, Hey, we should work together. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's do a meeting next week. And, um, so, okay, sounds good. And I put together a big presentation for him and stuff. I got on the phone. He told me about the, you know, their needs and what they, uh, where they were lacking and how we might be able to help. And I said, yeah, that's great. Well, let me show you that portfolio. It's like, I don't, I don't need to, I know what you guys do. I don't need to see your portfolio. Mm. I already know what you guys do. Let's, let's figure out how we uh, put this together. So shoot me a proposal on how you think it might work. Oh, wow. And so that is, you know, one of our bigger clients that we've had now for, you know, going on three years. Yeah. That's the best. Then you don't have to prove yourself at all. They already yeah, know who you great. are. <laughs> right. Because we worked with that guy when he was an associate brand manager. Really? And then he's yeah, at a different brand years. now? Well, now he's a VP of marketing. Ah. So a lot of people get all the way, you know, go way, way up in the organizations. And so they're the ones that are able to hire different agencies and new agencies and bring it in. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. So. Huh. Yeah. Where do you find, like you said, that it's very difficult or roadblock is like finding good people. How have you dealt with that or found the people that are right for the job? Um, some of it's referrals. Some of it is me going out and finding people through Indeed or or other, yeah. some of the other, you know, uh, resume services. Um, so... Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really, you know, like anybody else would, we just go out and try and find them. Mm -hmm. um, and usually I'm able to tell within the first five minutes whether they would be successful working. With talking to them or looking at their work? Um, both. Okay. Usually talking to them. I usually, if, you know, it depends, you know, I ask some very specific questions about how they're working and where they worked. And if they, you know, can't clearly answer those, it's kind of like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Um you know, and I, but of course, looking at their portfolio too. Mm -hmm. um, that's a pretty easy way to do it. So when you apply for a job here, or apply or share your resume, like I always ask for a portfolio mm -hmm. because if you don't have a portfolio to back up what you're saying, you know it's kind of hard to hard to hire you. So to build a portfolio, do those people have to be like freelancers on their own beforehand, or would the portfolio be from like past work, like an internship or like a just job doing that in the past? Yeah, really all of the above. So a lot of people, depending on the age, a lot of people share their portfolio out of school. So you have you have art projects that you've done in college. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll see those a lot if you're just a first or second year person out of school, and then as you move through your career. You obviously work on projects and work on brands, and then those brands are what show up in your own portfolio. And so that's kind of how we're able to to judge based on the portfolio. Like if there's there's people that we've hired very young right out of school, and they have usually have a very specific and special skill that they're able to demonstrate they know how to do it on you know, with through their portfolio. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. So like everybody in there right now is working on a specific project or are all working kind of together on a project? Um, there's, it just depends on, it just depends on what project it is. Um, so it's, it's never the entire agency working on one project. Okay. Um, we have, we have like 11, I think there's 11 or 12 people that we have. Well, it's 11, 12 plus me. Gotcha. Including me. <laughs> um, and so generally we're working in teams. So there's two people working on a project. Uh, okay. So it just it just depends on which project it is. Sometimes there's three or four people working on a project depending on the 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 size of the project and depending on when it's due. Okay. And so if it's a you know, if it's a, a big project that's due in 
six weeks, we can still have two people working on it. If it's a small or medium-sized project that's due on Tuesday, we'll put more people on it to get it done. Okay. To make sure that gets done or get the right ideas that are that are out there. So, Gotcha. Was there ever times that you didn't have like enough pro- projects for employees to work on or vice versa where you had too many projects and not enough pl- employees to take them on? Yeah, both of those happen all the time. Okay. Generally, we're like this time of year, um, it's it's just sort of like steady. Not super busy, not super slow. A little bit slow, but not super slow. Um, the rest of the year, I would say that that goes for like two months. Mm-hmm. Ten months out of the year, we've we're we've got tons of tons of work. Um, and of those ten months, I would say three or four of them are probably like, okay, we don't have enough people to do these. Really? Yeah. So okay. Um, maybe not three or four, but you know, a couple months usually it's it's hard. And that's that's kind of one of those tricky things because it's not always like if it were always way up there on like super high volume, it would it would be we'd have to hire people, you know, to kind of bring the mm-hmm. you know bring the level of um, service in line with how much work we're getting. But it really is sort of like it's a bouncy line of right up down and up down. Like okay, we've got a big project now that that could change anytime mm-hmm. you know if somebody calls us and says hey we've got this huge project then we could be busy uh huh. but we have specific projects that we work on year in and year out and so we kind of have a good idea of when those projects will will show up uh, mm. so you know summertime is a busy it's a busy time for us during the summer gotcha. like into into september october do do companies like i was talking with scott and he said like he's he's preparing for like halloween 2024 right now is that what you're working with for a lot of people too like that far in advanced yeah that's usually um that's usually done so holiday of holiday of 24 was done last june or july okay yeah so we finished holiday of 24 wow last year because they have to they have to build a product they have to you know all the files they have to manufacture everything mm-hmm. Um, so I did a press approval for one of the projects that we work on. Um, that was, that was in, I think it was in, gosh, it was probably in September of last year. That was like, okay, all this project product is approved and printed. Now it just needs to be put in the boxes. And so Mm -hmm. that again was for this year's holiday. That's crazy. Yeah. So well in advance. Are there ever times like where it's like last second, like trends change or something like that and they don't like what they had decided on like last June for this upcoming winter and then they come back to you and are like we need to change it last minute yeah that 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 happens a lot too but it doesn't happen if it's if it's a matter of them not making their deadlines for their products it it doesn't happen it doesn't matter whether or not the trend changed or not if the product Mm -hmm. is out there and created but that happens a lot um we'll we'll finish a project and the trend will change or the forecast will change, um, mm-hmm. the sales forecast will change. And then they'll just say, nope, we got to change it. Okay, when does that do? It's still the same time, still next Friday. It's mm-hmm. like, really? We took three months to do this before yeah. and now we have to do all of it in, in a week. Right. And it's kind of like, yep. So, so that, yeah, that happens all the time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're under the chopping block in a week then instead of the yeah. three months. Yeah, or or you think that everything's smooth sailing. They've approved all the concepts and everything looks great. You've done all the work, um, all the different adaptations of it. And then some senior leader that has never seen it before looks at it and was like, 
oh, I don't like it. And then it just goes away. Oh. And you start over. Yeah. Like everyone else liked it. This guy didn't, depending on his rank, if you will. And they can wipe it off the table in one fell swoop. And we've had that happen before, too. We've had that happen about half an hour before. Um, it wasn't our artwork, but we were setting up the presentation of it and the meeting and the all the graphics to sell it into, yeah. uh, into Walmart, actually. And um, it looked beautiful. It was amazing work. And the CMO came in and said, I don't like it. Get it out of here. What? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was it was a ton of I mean millions of dollars worth of work. She just said, I don't like it. We're going back to what we were. Get that done. Okay. So we put all the old stuff up and just ran it again. Really? Yeah. Huh. So the budget changes drastically then. Or would it just stay the same and they just didn't use the work that you guys did? They just didn't use the work. Huh. Yep. So like these companies, like I was just thinking that you said like they change like every six months kind of thing. So that's where you can kind of predict the work. Like say like a company changes, is that concept that they change every six months like automatically or is it kind of here and there? No, it's here and there, but it, it's it's pretty pretty consistent. Like so we are a project shop. We're not a retainer shop. Um, and mm-hmm. so we are, you know, it's based on, you know, what we know. So forecasting is a little bit difficult for us. Um, but generally we know that there's there's churn on all these products um, that are out there. So, mm. and they also have like, we know that there's, you know, like a spring version, there's a holiday version. So those right. we know when those show up. And then we do a lot of creative, um, creative work for meeting, uh, you know, high end meetings and stuff. And we know when those meetings are. And so then we can predict what that, uh, you know, what that might be because we've worked on the meetings for many years before that. Gotcha. How do you, how do you plan out and stay organized for like the upcoming meetings and then like say like the seasonal stuff, like they just start coming to you and you already have 11 projects lined up kind of thing. Is it tricky? Yeah, it's, it's challenging. Um, but we have a, we have a, a very good way of organizing and sort of, um, you know, dividing out the projects. And so we've been able to do that really well. I think that's one of the things that we do well, um, is organizing and being able to, um, with the right people on the right projects. Um, we shuffle things around when that happens. Mm. Um, but there was a time, there was a time this summer basically where we're like, okay, if we get one more project, we don't have enough people. Mm. And so at that point, what we say is, what is your timeline? And it, can it be pushed back a little bit so we can work on it? And that, and the client was like, oh yeah, we, we could, we can, we could give you another month if that helps. I was like, that helped tremendously. Yeah. I'll let you know when we get started on it. Okay. So stuff like that happens, you know, pretty often. Gotcha. So is it a pretty like cyclical cycle of this is like the two months that are downtime and then summer's always hot? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it takes away from surfing. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> t- I wish it was, I wish it was this time of year that we were super busy. Right. It'd be much easier and then have summer where it's a little bit more yeah. relaxed. Right. Yeah. Cause what are we going to do in this craft right, right now? Yeah. This is, this is nothing. This is not worth anything. Yeah. We don't even have like good snow up to ski or anything. It stinks. Right. And the ice is bad. So yeah. And nothing is good. And then summer it's like perfect. And then you're busy. Right. Right. Huh. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. Interesting. That's how it goes. Huh? Yep. Uh, well, let's get into these. Um, I got these five questions here yeah. that kind of do this where like they're kind of speed questions. So sure. we'll do like a minute each. Okay. So we'll start with, uh, what was your dream job when you were a kid? Oh boy. I think, um, I wanted to be in real estate, like real estate development. 
Really? I didn't really know what it was, but I was, I, you know, we had one of my friend's dads was in real estate and I'm like, that looks cool. I want to be in real estate. Huh. Is that, yeah, that's what you are just because you saw other Just because I saw somebody, yeah. like, somebody that was doing well and, and it looked cool and it was like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll do that. Huh. Okay. Never got into real estate. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite brand project that you worked on or like Coolest maybe? Yeah, we do all the flavor extensions for uh, Modelo Chilada, which is really mm. fun. Huh. Um, yeah, so we get to really work on different ways of expressing mangoes and strawberries and watermelons and stuff. So huh. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, what's the p- favorite place that you traveled to? Um, I was I was just recently in uh, Cartagena, Colombia. I mean, it was a theme there, Colombia. But uh-huh. yeah, it was really it was really awesome. Did you go back and visit where you were? No, I didn't. I went, well, I'd been there before, but I went there for this, you know, like week long sort of like party extravaganza. Oh, really? Super fun. It was great. Yeah. Oh, nice. And it was fun to be there because I have some Spanish in my repertoire. Not a lot, not a ton, not perfect, but it's fun to go back to a country that I've you know spent a lot of time in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. What's a cool experience that you've had work with the clan? I know we already asked this, but like, what's another one maybe that would come to mind? Yeah. Um, well, we, we've done a lot of work on, on us, on a specific brand in which it was like, Hey, we need to go and look at the, we need to look at what's going on in the press, you know, how it's going to get printed. We need to, you need to be at this airport at 5 AM and roll up to the airport and get in the private jet and fly across the lake. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. Holy crap. So they had to, you had to get over there like right away? Yep. Just you or your team too? Uh, it was me and the, and the brand team that was going. Okay. Um, so yeah. So then, so then we flew back and I got to sit in the jump seat. So I was sitting in like the front seat yeah. watching the, you know, flying in over Lake Michigan and landing at Battenfield and Racine. And, um, you know, you're on a really awesome private jet. No way. That's insane. Yeah. I've always wanted to fly private. Yeah, I never have. It's pretty cool. That's crazy. That's really cool. Scott was telling me too. Yeah. Then we had a meeting, you know, like we, had, we were meeting on the plane because it's got like, it was a big plane, like a conference table and stuff. No way. So we're sitting at the conference table and they were dragging the plane into the hangar. What? Yeah. And then, you know, you see all the other cool planes in the hangar and stuff. So yeah. That was really cool. How far was the flight? It was like 40 minutes. Okay. It wasn't far. That's crazy that people like fly that because I, I track my phone. Sometimes I see people like flying from Waukesha to like Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Like I feel like that's such an easy drive and people are flying private there. Yeah, because the Packers are there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Right. It's like a probably like a 20 minute flight from Waukesha to Green oh, yeah. Bay. Yeah. It's like nothing. Right. It's like, but people are paying it. Oh, yeah. Which is insane, but yeah. pretty sick. Yeah, I'd love to fly one. Scott was telling me about how he went to college on a private jet too. And that story was insane. Yeah. So yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, so, for sure. All right. Um, final question. Yep. If a young person was to come up to you and like ask for advice and maybe starting a business, like what would your entrepreneurial advice be for them? Keep trying. Okay. Don't give up. You're going to fail. You're going to fail again and again and again. Um, but just keep trying. Yeah. If you stop, then you end up working for anyone else, someone else. And if you don't succeed, you can always go back and get a different job, but keep trying. Right. For sure. Another question that comes to mind is, um, I, th- I saw this the other day. It's like, wh- when's the right time to quit? And when's the t- like right time to keep pushing like past the roadblock? What's your opinion on that? You know what I mean? Like where you decide, like, I don't want to do this anymore versus to keep trying, keep trying. And then you get over that hump of like your thought of, I didn't want to do this anymore. Well, I think that's a, that's a personal decision on everyone's part. 
like some people there there is there is no quit you don't stop you don't stop until you succeed mm-hmm. um and and that was kind of my thing i stopped and then i you know i tried and then i failed and i went to work for somebody else and i tried another thing and i failed and tried tried again and you know and then kept going back and trying again in different ways but you know don't be too static in your ideas like okay if you've got a good idea and you know it's a good idea continue to optimize that idea mm-hmm. um and it's not a bad thing to work for other people because you learn a lot from other people mm-hmm. uh, while you're still doing your side thing in order to make it until you until you um you know succeed at it so right um so yeah continue to try and um and don't let don't let people tell you that it's impossible because it's not for sure yeah all right we'll wrap things up with the podcast but that was fun thanks for doing it yeah man thank you yeah